Hello, this is Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I am going to be talking today about dragonflies. This is Cole, and I'm going to be continuing to talk about the Hajj today, bringing it into the modern era. And this is Randy, and I will be talking about the fact that August is picnic month. Really? Also, beginning of Halloween season. <laughs> yes, and that is part of our holiday happenings for the week. We have a lot of different things that have been going on this past week. One, it's today is August 1st, so happy August to everybody. Very exciting. Also, disclaimer, if you can hear jingling in the background, uh, that is Noelle's little collar mm-hmm. bell. She's kind of running all over the place. Yeah, my little dog. Yeah. Yep, we're all here together in person, including Noel, so uh, we get to enjoy that. Uh, as Cole mentioned, he considers August the beginning of Halloween season. Yeah, I, I really consider September the beginning of like Halloween season, but um, I'm kind of pushing it for myself on, on August. But it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. And what shirt do you have on today? Oh, I have my white shirt covered in pumpkins. Not just pumpkins. Uh, jack-o'-lanterns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More specifically. That's right. And when you came onto the back porch to visit me and Noel, I happened to have the Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin Waltz turn on oh, just as funny. he was coming out. So that was... Uh, very fortuitous. fitting. Yes, yes. For, very fortuitous. <laughs> and Cole, you said you you push it to start at the beginning of August, but most of the stores have also started <laughs> they to have it too. Halloween That's true. Am out. I really pushing yeah, it? I don't, I don't think so. I think you match with lots of stores. We went to Hobby Lobby on Friday, and they have all their fall stuff now officially on sale. That's 40% right. off, and it's yeah. a lot of it. And there's a lot of there's it. There's a lot of it. Yes. And the Christmas stuff is filling up. That's not on sale yet, nope. but... Um, yes. how, I mean, the fall stuff is. So. Yeah, and then uh, Michael's is, they haven't quite gotten up to speed with their fall decor yet, but um, already I think I saw some on sale. Some. Yeah, they definitely have their summer stuff on sale, though. The good thing is that their summer floral stuff is on sale. We have a front vase in the foyer, a big one, and I was waiting for some good sales to get the flowers for inside of it. And they are 70% off now, so this is the time to do it. Yes, so that's awesome. And it looks great. It does. So good job. Thanks. I will say I am a little disappointed at Target because there is, like, practically no fall stuff on Right. It's still the summer, the school, back-to-school items. Yes. Right. And I believe next weekend they said that it would be the tax-free Yeah, I think next weekend is tax-free because the week after that, I think, School starts, basically. Yeah, up here. So I would guess that the weekend after tax-free weekends would be when they would start putting up the... The fall stuff. The fall stuff. Because tax-free is a way for them to get, like, everything out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. And the college kids are grabbing their stuff, too, for college starting soon. So, yeah. Mm. I remember those days, and I don't think back on them. (laughs) I um, also... (coughs) Wanted to share that we went to see the movie The Jungle Cruise on Friday. All four of us, plus Cole's girlfriend and his two roommates, all got to go. Yeah, and we somehow managed to all get into the same row. Yeah. I'm thinking that 
people are going back to theaters, but it's still not quite that everyone has the mindset that theaters are open again. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think now is probably an ideal time to go see movies if you want to and get like the seat of your choice. And it was a great movie. We really enjoyed it. For those of you that are Disney fans and enjoy the ride, The Jungle Cruise, I think... Um, it especially because, was, yeah. if you know the Jungle Cruise ride, it's yeah. going to be especially funny. Because yes. we've been on so many times. I think it was what we were hoping for. A fun adventure movie with lots of comedy and, mm-hmm. yeah. and puns. And references to the ride. Yes. yes. Um, then the different, like, specific, I guess you could say attractions within the ride mm-hmm. like the, going behind the backside of water exactly. and, right. and, ref- and referencing it yeah, and building and ref- it up yeah and um, several of the puns were recognizable yes, yes. um he the, takes tour groups down the river on his jungle cruise yeah he's a skipper right yeah right. yeah so, right. so it was this it, is the rock what we're talking about in the movie mm-hmm. yeah he and it was it was a lot of fun there were clearly points in the movie that you could see like this is something that they're probably going to change about the ride itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can definitely see things that aspects of the movie that they could easily put implement into the ride. Into the ride. Right. Yeah. yeah, and they've been updating the ride to make it more culturally sensitive anyway, so it's not a bad time right. to, to continue with the changes. If the assuming the movie does well, I bet they will, like yeah. they did with yeah. Pirates. That's right. The movie, um, I think I looked at like Rotten Tomatoes the other day. I think it only had like a 63 critical rating, which is not unexpected. I mean, it was a f- super fun, campy movie. The audience right. rating was like a 93, 94, though. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. That's funny. It, I'm guessing it did really well at the box office because it's a yeah. fun Disney romp. It was very clear what movie you were in, mm-hmm. like yeah, with <laughs> ridiculous like evil. World War Two German submarine. World War One German. World War One German. Yep, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we won't spoil the rest for you. But right. we highly recommend that you go and see it, especially Absolutely. if you're a Jungle Cruise fan. I was going to spoil the rest, but I guess I won't now. That's I it. Yeah. No. I'll, I'll say this: if every skipper doesn't look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> when I go that's into right, yeah. the ride. <laughs> It's going to break my immersion into the into the experience. So and, listen to that, Disney. Yes, and I did see an article the other day, and I was telling Dad where apparently on one of the Jungle Cruises on one of the um, boats, a uh, ride at yeah, Disney, Disneyland. Yes, uh, The Rock and Emily Blunt were actually on the boat as the people skippers. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah, and doing the puns and touring. Yes. Imagine so, that. Oh my gosh, that was that would have been so. That fun. would be so cool. It's such yes. an iconic ride. Yeah, I mean, it it's so fun, and people were like, "Oh, it's so old." It's like that's part of the fun. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that's just, Imagine, because actors have done that kind of thing before. Like, I think Johnny Depp has. Yeah, he's gone multiple into times Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean yeah. Ride, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And but of course, people. people don't realize it's him. Yes. So yeah. he's thinking that they're going to be super excited and they're just like smiling. There's some cast member yeah. in the ride. <laughs> he looks a lot like Johnny Depp. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Pirates would be harder, but versus the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, the right. Jungle Cruise is a nice bright lighting. That yes. would be easier. I would definitely see it again. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would see Jungle Cruise again. Yeah. Yeah. Highly other, recommended. The other thing, as we talked about, a lot of the stores had their fall things out. So. Beth and I got the kids a little something that we thought they could open up on the podcast. What? Associated with the fall. 
in the beginning of Halloween season, as Cole likes to say. Exactly, yeah. It's what because Cole's been is. saying all July, August is Halloween season. Hogan, <laughs> uh, August is the start of Halloween season. If you say it so enough, it'll become it. true. I know, it did. <laughs> so why don't you guys go ahead and open your... How, your bags. Your bags. Okay, first oh. of all, it is There's a... There's a lot of wrapping paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a Bath and Body Works bag, and it has orange and purple tissue paper in it, and an orange bow on top, and it, and it is actually with has purple, purple and extreme. green highlights in yeah, it. Yeah, right. In the, in the ribbon. So, you're, you're hitting the main Halloween colors You there. just bought that ribbon on um, Friday, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it is so cute. Right. Oh, wrapping paper. We can't throw this on the floor because Noelle will grab it yeah. and she run loves and wrapping paper. Yes, in fact, I was she holding will her. Is the problem? Yeah, I was holding her and um, I just happened to pass by the wrapping paper and she took a little sniff or lick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, well, I see hand soap. Okay, so read what they are. <clears throat> are they spooky related? Oh, so there's a vampire blood, <laughs> wicked apple. And happy Halloween, candy corn marshmallow hand soap. <laughs> That's super fun. It is funny. Uh, I recently got a like raspberry cherry hand soap, Ooh. and then I squirted it onto my hand, and it was like this slightly transparent but super dark. It looked exactly like blood. When oh, I was looking, it was like dribbling across my hand, and I was like, "This looks like I have a serious hand injury." <laughs> So, of course, I was thinking of fun things to do, like uh, putting it in my hand and then holding my neck and then running out to my roommates and saying, <laughs> somebody call an ambulance. <laughs> so, in my bag, I have What a, kind of good hand soap? I have a hand soap, Perfect Pumpkin. So, I have two Perfect Pumpkins and a Wicked Apple. The Perfect Pumpkins has... Um, Is this a toothbrush holder? Cats no, and a pumpkin. And the Wicked Apple has an apple and a ghost. And I have a soap dispenser little, whatchamacallum? It's a little soap holder. Yes. It, it, it has little the, ghosts on it. So cute. It holds, the, it holds each of the units inside. Oh my gosh. And Cole has one too. So mine is, I wasn't quite sure what mine was at first. Because <laughs> it's kind of shaped like a mug. I know. At first I'm like, oh, and yours is ceramic. Mug. And mine is a ceramic one. But it is a hilarious little bat. Yeah, happy a vampire bat. bat. A little, a with a little smile and, uh, and little purple yeah, wings. And the soap just goes right in there. Yep. Yes, that would be. I just realized it would be a terrible mug because it has holes in the bottom. It does it. have holes in the bottom, so <laughs> it would be it would be rough. It has four holes, so for a second I thought it was like a toothbrush holder. Yeah. But no, it is not. That is too funny. I thought you know when you're as you're decorating your stuff, you can. I might bring up. this one to. Um, right now, my time is my girlfriend lives about an hour away, so my yeah. time is split up like between being at my place and being at her yeah. place. So I actually I, thought about that. I, I may wondered. I may bring this over to her place. <laughs> Get some some decorating in her yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. Too. Some uh, some early Halloween decorating. I had the ladies in there helping me. I'm like, okay, I want to smell all of them. <laughs> so they were. Ooh, that is appley. Oh, that does smell like candy corn and marshmallows. Yeah. Sure does. The okay, let me smell that. Both of those are in there. We're just passing them around, smelling. Mm. Mm, that one smells good. Well, that was a lot of fun. A lot of exciting scents. And I personally am super excited about all of the Halloween stuff coming yeah. out in the stores. Um, my girlfriend Keely and I were actually in Hallmark the other day, up 
towards closer to the DC area. And there was not as much Halloween stuff as I would have liked to see, but Hallmark is, is known for the early Christmas stuff. Right. So there's a lot of Christmas things already out. There was some really cute Halloween decorations. There was like a full like big Disney ceramic house thing that I was like, oh, that would make a really cute gift for, for you guys. But then I looked at it and it was like $800. So <laughs> I was wow. like, oh. We like, have so many things already. Yeah, I was like, maybe not. I'll find, <laughs> I'll find a different fun gift. <laughs> yeah. But the Hallmark is in full swing with all of its Christmas-related kind of stuff. It was hard not to pick up some early ornaments, but I've been forbade from, right. <laughs> from getting ornaments at Hallmark. Your dad is a Hallmark Club member, and he loves Hallmark, so yeah. Hallmark ornaments are often gifts for the children. Exactly. But what... Else flies other than birds? I didn't mention birds. There were bird ornaments. What else flies other than birds, Mom? And Dragons. Bats. And bats. Uh, you're pointing at my hand right now. Because bat, you had a bat earlier. I did have a bat. Right it's there. not here. No. <laughs> Dragons fly. <laughs> <laughs> so smooth. So we often see dragonflies out around our gardens in the summer. And mm. they often will have like iridescent wings mm -hmm. or beautiful. bodies or whatever. And they're just really fun to watch. And I didn't know a lot about them. Interestingly, according to one dragonfly myth, and this is clearly a long time ago, dragonflies would sew up the lips of unsuspecting humans. I was like, was how weird. long ago was that? That had not, that's a great, what an awful myth. That's a horrible myth. Yeah. Interesting, also because I would have expected that to be like a spider myth because yeah, of the thread. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know why that doesn't. Crazy, do, huh? Do dragonflies have thread? They don't. Yeah, that's, yeah. they don't. No. So weird. They just take... The needles and the thread. It's the reality is that dragonflies are essentially harmless to humans. Mm -hmm. Even better, they love to feed on pests like mosquitoes and midges, for which we can be truly grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful. But those aren't the only interesting qualities that make them so fascinating. So I'm going to go through some qualities, and then I'm going to go through some just fun facts. Dragonfly nymphs. Do you know what dragonfly nymphs are? Baby dragonflies? Juvenile dragonflies? Yeah, that's right. Dragonfly nymphs live in the water, so you'll find them around ponds and lakes because they are aquatic in that stage. So it's typically, I would imagine, still water. Then. I would think so too, yeah. like ponds. Um, Versus rivers. Along the shore. Yeah. It's along the banks, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh. Yeah. So female dragonflies deposit their eggs on the water's surface, or in some cases, insert them into aquatic plants or moss. Once hatched, the nymph dragonfly spends its time hunting other aquatic invertebrates. Larger species, and this is interesting. I'm like, how large do these have to be? Larger species will even occasionally eat small fish or tadpoles. Holy mackerel. <laughs> I know. It's like, they have to be fish like... Fish get pretty small, though. Yeah, yeah. And tadpoles are pretty little, too, yeah. when they're first, yeah, when they're first are, yeah. out. So after molting somewhere between 6 and 15 times, a dragonfly nymph is finally ready for adulthood and crawls out of the water to shed its final immature skin. <laughs> That's so immature. <laughs> <laughs> 
and most new dragonfly adults are eaten. So when a nymph is finally ready for adulthood, it crawls out of the water onto a rock or a plant stem and molts one final time. This process takes, it can take several hours or it can take days as the dragonfly expands to its full body capacity. So these new dragonflies are soft bodied, pale, and highly vulnerable to predators. So until their bodies fully harden, they are weak flyers, making them ripe for the picking. So birds and other predators consume a significant number of young dragonflies in the first few days after their emergence, hmm. which is sad. But, you know, it's a circle nature, of life. Yeah. yeah. They have to, there's probably... Um, well, that's why dragonflies uh, have developed laying so many eggs and having right, so many exactly. young. exactly. And most insects. Right. Relative to other insects, dragonflies have extraordinarily keen vision that helps them detect movement of other flying creatures and avoid in-flight collisions. Thanks to two huge compound eyes, the dragonfly has nearly 360 degree vision and can see a wider spectrum of colors than humans. Each compound eye contains 28 to 30,000 lenses. Wow. And a dragonfly uses about 80% of its brain to process all the visual information it receives. Okay, so little aside here, our little puppy has <laughs> some squeaking and she has some things that she likes to pound on the floor. So if you hear sounds like that, that is Noelle enjoying herself. Disclaimer. So we're just going to let her enjoy herself while we do our podcast. There you go. <laughs> and she is really enjoying that. Yep. Dragonflies are masters of flight. They're able to move. I find this fascinating. They're able to move each of their four wings independently. Oh. They can flap each wing up and down, rotate their wings forward and back on its axis. Dragonflies can move straight up or down. They can fly backwards. They can stop and hover, and they can make hair turn pins at full speed or in slow motion. Hair pin turns. Yes. You said hair turn pins. <laughs> Did I? Okay. Okay. Podcast listeners, my bad. And they can make hair pin turns at full speed or in slow motion. A dragonfly can fly forward at a speed of 100 body lengths per second. Wow. Which I wow. find that fascinating. I'm like, they don't look like they're that fast when they're out in the garden. They yeah, don't. They're, they're probably not going, going at maximum speed, yeah, that's though. True. They're probably just slowly gagging around the garden. They are aerial hunters, aren't they? They are. And, and that's, that's why, yeah. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, too. Very good knowing your dragonfly school. Thank you. And your bees. And your bees from <laughs> that previous I know. quiz. He has some information in that head. So, male. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't think you did. I mean, I, I knew you did. I just took a drink. <laughs> you always know, oh, spewed I always spit it out. Yeah. Male dragonflies fight for their territory. And this reminds me of birds. Birds do the same thing. So there is competition for female dragonflies. The male dragonflies aggressively fend off other suitors for the females. In some species... The males claim and defend a territory against intrusion from other males. So, if you know anything about dragonflies, and th these might sound familiar, I didn't know them. 
Skimmers, clubtails, and petaltails scout out prime egg-laying locations around ponds. And if a challenger flies into his chosen habitat, the defending male will do all he can to chase away the competition. What are those three names referencing? Types of dragonflies. Those are different types of dragonflies. Yes. Gotcha. So other kinds of dragonflies don't defend specific territories, but still behave aggressively toward other males that might cross their flight paths or dare to approach their perches. So they're just like jerks. <laughs> so what kind do we have? I don't know. You'll have to go out and take pictures and Do you know what the them. difference between those three are from an appearance perspective? No. And there's probably like, there's tons more. Oh. There's like a lot of different kinds of dragonflies. That wasn't my... They sounded focus. like gang names, like Clubtail. I know. Spinner and... Let me see. Um, petal tails didn't sound as much like... <laughs> petal tail. They yeah. always won. Skimmers and Clubtails maybe, but petal tails? <laughs> that didn't sound like any kind of gang. <laughs> oh, that sounds More like, like just... a club. <laughs> Some dragonflies migrate. A number of dragonfly species are known to migrate, either singly or in mass. As with other migratory species, dragonflies relocate to follow or find needed resources or in response to environmental changes like an impending cold weather system. Okay, okay here's another kind, Randy, of... Dragonfly. Okay. The green darners. Darn. Darn it. <laughs> the green darners, for example, fly south each fall in sizable swarms and then migrate north again in the spring. Who named these things? I don't know. I would like. I would like. I'm a guessing job naming things. Just anything. If I had to take a guess, darner is probably a surname, Could and be. the guy who discovered the dragonfly is green. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! No. Okay. Okay. Well, it could be the color of the wings or whatever, and then the name and of then, the guy. Yeah. The Darning is also the verb of sewing socks. like Darning sewing socks, yeah. 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 Sewing. So there could be any number of... Yeah. I don't think they named it after the word darn. So, right. so I should say sewing up holes in socks is darn. Yeah. 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 Which could be related to the, the myth of them sewing people's mouths. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Do they web at all? They don't have web. They don't know. Webbing? No. Dragonflies... Thermoregulate their bodies. Oh, same. Like all insects, dragonflies are technically ectotherms, which means cold-blooded. So dragonflies that patrol, meaning they habitually fly back and forth, use a rapid whirring movement of their wings to raise their body temperatures. Perching dragonflies, on the other hand, can rely on solar energy for warmth. They can position their bodies to maximize the surface area exposed to sunlight. Some species even use their wings as reflectors, tilting them to direct the solar radiation toward the bodies. During hot spells, some dragonflies strategically position themselves to minimize sun exposure using their wings to deflect sunlight. So they are quite adaptable. They are interesting little flying creatures. Now I'm just going to go through some fun facts, some quick fun facts about dragonflies. Modern dragonflies have wingspans of between 2 to 5 inches. Fossils of dragonflies show that they had wingspans of up to 2 feet. Mm -hmm. That yeah. is crazy. That is terrifying. Yeah, I know, right? There are over 5,000 species of dragonflies. They all belong to the order Odonata. I think that's how you say it, Odonata, which means toothed one in Greek. 
In many cultures, it is considered good luck if a dragonfly lands on your head. Oh. Yeah. If a dragonfly can't fly, it will starve. They only eat prey they catch while they're flying. The flight of the dragonfly is so efficient that it has inspired scientists to make robots that fly like them. Some species of dragonflies live only a few weeks, while others can live up to a year. A single dragonfly can eat 30 to hundreds of mosquitoes per day, making them a natural mosquito controller, and I support that wholeheartedly. Dragonflies are such efficient hunters that they have a 95% success rate in killing their prey. Wow. Yep. Wild dragonflies can rip their prey to shreds mid-flight with their sharp teeth. Luckily, dragonflies can't bite humans. Most dragonfly species don't have a mandible strong enough to break human skin. We can be happy that those two-foot-long yeah, dragonflies, dragonflies no longer exist. There's a reason they are called toothed one in Greek. Yeah. They have Although, if everything in that era still existed, I'm sure dragonflies would be the least of our worries. Right, that's worries. true. That's true. Dragonflies are both agile and fast flyers. And the claim is that they can fly between 17 and 38 miles per hour. Okay. Wow. And I, th I think sometimes when they are migrating, I've read so many things about they dragonflies can fly long lengths of time. And so I'm guessing that's where they kick into the higher miles per hour mm -hmm. flying that they do. The smallest dragonfly has a wingspan of just 7 tenths of an inch. The largest current living dragonfly is from, any guess? Australia. Australia! <laughs> yes! With a wingspan up to 6.2 inches. Because, you know, it's Australia. Yeah. Dragonflies beat their wings about 30 times per second. By comparison, bees beat their wings about 300 times per second. A dragonfly can open its mouth as wide as its entire head. <laughs> well, that would be horrifying to see. It would. That's crazy. In Indonesia, dragonflies are considered to be a delicious snack. Dragonflies are not related to flies. And even though dragonflies have six legs like all insects do, they cannot walk. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They can only uh, perch. Yep, they can perch and they can fly. That's it. One of the things I liked about where we moved in Virginia was the fact that we had dragonflies around because yeah. they're so pretty and they add something to the gardens, just having them hovering and moving around and knowing right. that they're killing insects is also fun too. Well, yeah, and we the fact that they don't bite or sting. Right. Yep. And we have a pond actually very close to us. Right. Which makes sense that we would have more dragonflies. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So last week we talked a little bit about the origins of the Hajj and what it was. And as a reminder, it is in the Muslim faith, the pilgrimage to Mecca annually. And uh, it is an obligatory part to all those who are able in the Muslim faith to visit the holy city of Mecca. So when I say the beginning of the modern era, I'm really kind of starting with the colonial period up to modern day because obviously with colonialism you had a big shift in sort of the ability of different groups of people in terms of like their mobility within colonial territories 
to move from place to place. Uh, in some cases, it could be limited, and in some cases, there were new opportunities. So the big colonial Muslim power was the Ottoman Empire, which was centered in Turkey, what we think of as Arabia, and Egypt. So the Ottomans, when they came into power and took over large parts of Saudi Arabia, including Mecca, kind of took it upon themselves. Obviously, there was a faith, military, economic, and cultural advantage to having Mecca in your empire with uh, the significance of the Hajj. But the Ottomans, as a state, were able to sponsor the construction of different forts, security measures along roads for pilgrims coming to Mecca. Okay, that's nice. As well as that, there were obviously a lot of very horrible aspects to colonialism. As the Europeans sort of spread all over the world, um, North Africa and India, Pakistan are large areas which had a lot of Muslims and were colonized. But one advantage to the colonization was that they began to build, particularly in India, they began to build steam ships, they began to build railroads. There are a lot more easy transportation opportunities. Mm -hmm. Now that came with European taxes along those roads, which was kind of, you know, another downside. But it also came with more, typically more stability as well. Bandits were less common because of security along those roads. Not necessarily with the mindset to protect the pilgrims, more to protect their roads. But nevertheless, it could be a, a positive right. side the fallout is effect also... of that. Yeah, typically. And typically, pilgrims were the most safe when they got into the Ottoman Empire because it was the one big Muslim power at that time in the world. So it went, the Ottomans went out of their way to protect pilgrims specifically on their way to Mecca. Into the modern era, so the fall of communism in Europe was an opportunity for Muslims in the Middle East to both immigrate into Europe and Muslims who were already in Europe, particularly in the Eastern Bloc, to have more freedom of mobility within that continent and within and their ability to go and participate in the Hajj. Over time, the European Union uh, and the ability to go from country to country has also made that easier for Muslims to take place in the pilgrimage. And various countries to different extents will sponsor and make it easier for Muslims to take part in the Hajj. Saudi Arabia does issue Hajj visas to people wanting to, to take place, and they make that as easy as they can because of the significance and the importance of people being able to go to Mecca. Russia actually has the largest population of Muslims in Europe and is also the country that makes it the easiest for Muslims to travel to Mecca, which is very nice for them because Russia is obviously a good distance away. So some of the ways that Russia makes it easier is reduced train costs, much more easy mobility within the country, and reduced flight costs to Saudi Arabia during that time. 
So Saudi Arabia, the way it's kind of described is as it's like a hundred Super Bowls for them. Like usually there's huge construction projects. There's obviously uh, everything fills up in the city. It's obviously hugely financially beneficial to Mecca and Saudi Arabia during that time, even though that's not the point of the Hajj. It's not a like a monetary financial interest. It is a it is the religious interest of it. But the fallout is the reality. The fallout, of it is, yes, is that yeah, a lot of times stuff. extra infrastructure has to be built to support that number of people. So it is in a lot of ways kind of like when the Olympics comes to a new city and they build a bunch of sort of temporary structures to support all of the people, but like that annually every year. But it is, in the modern era, typically a lot easier and a lot less risk to do the pilgrimage as opposed to 200 years ago, because typically you don't have to worry about traveling along the road and being accosted by bandits. Right. Bandits are pretty, pretty low... Right. risk at this point. Now there is still some risk if you're traveling by foot through certain areas of the Middle East at this time. A lot of sort of outside of Saudi Arabia in the Iraq, Syria, and Levant, it can still be risky to travel through that area. So a lot of people do still sponsor protection. Once you get into Saudi Arabia, you're typically safe at that point because it is a stable state and they do have, like the Ottomans before, they do have sponsored protection for pilgrims specifically. But with the addition of being able to fly in, that makes a, a, so world, of, a world of difference and much wealthier Muslims in, you know, say Dubai or in elsewhere in the United Arab Emirates or Oman or Bahrain uh, will often fly in annually for each Hajj. Well, that's a really good point. Yeah. Now, we did see that there was an article that they were only letting 60,000 people into Mecca this year because of concerns about COVID-19. So that is unfortunate, but that is reality at this point and is not necessarily a negative thing in terms of your ability because the as the Quran states it's you go to your ability to go mm -hmm. so if you're not able to go there's no necessarily repercussion the only unfortunate thing is maybe if you you've been saving and this was your your year to go but COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in all plans like that for for most people at this point the good it's thing, been over a year. Yeah, it's been over a year. Long. The good thing is that it's all kind of winding its way out at this point. So hopefully Mecca next year will be completely open for all who are able to come and take place in the Hajj. So, so if any of our listeners happen to have a, a Hajj experience going to Mecca or any of the other holy cities during that point, definitely reach out, let us know how that went and what your experience was. Thank you, Cole, for sharing that. I am going to talk about a topic that we actually talked about in 2019, which is picnics. Beth shared the history of picnics back then, but I thought I would revisit it because August is picnic month. 
So, when you guys think of picnics, what kind of things come to mind? Halloween. <laughs> okay. It's just right now, it's where my head is. Okay, what but else comes, what normally comes to mind? It makes me think of kind of like the traditional Americana kind of stuff, you know, your picnic basket, blanket, usually food like sandwiches and lemonade and yeah. watermelon a lot of the stuff that uh has been talked about in the summer food kind of series exactly and a right. nice time to be out in like fresh nature air usually like on a green sloped hill yes. under a tree maybe Ide- very very idyllic very right. very idyllic yeah. well that's the perfect picnic sure in, in the perfect weather in that case yes i would totally do it yeah but usually uh, it's summer and it's hot I think of something a little different when I think of picnics. I think of Yogi Bear. Do you? I do. Really? I absolutely do. And it's because I grew up with Yogi Bear when I was a kid. You grew up with Yogi Bear. I did. And he and I... (laughs) They were like this. And then Boo Boo came along and I was out. (laughs) Wow. So, if you don't know, Yogi Bear actually started as a sidekick for another famous Hanna-Barbera cartoon show called The Huckleberry Hound show in 1958. Now I also loved Huckleberry Hound. I know, but I didn't know that they that Yogi was a sidekick to start. I know the name Huckleberry Hound, but I can actually picture Yogi Bear. I cannot picture Huckleberry. He was Hound. a blue dog. Hmm. Is what he was. Okay. Yogi Bear was the first breakout character that was created by Hanna Barbera because he became even more popular than Huckleberry Hound. Okay, yeah. I recognize him. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't, if you don't know who Huckleberry Hound is, just look Google. him up. He, yeah, he's he was on TV for a long, long time as well. So Yogi Bear's escapades mainly centered on his capers displayed in the fictional Jellystone Park, together with his sidekick Boo Boo, who's like a littler bear. Yogi Bear and Boo Boo created chaos in the park much to the annoyance of park ranger Smith, by ransacking the picnic baskets of tourists. Or the picnic baskets. A- absolutely. Now, his bear love was Cindy Bear, who disapproved of his antics. Because Yogi was always trying to do things like get picnic baskets, leave the park, not hibernate. Like, all this bear <laughs> stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing is what he would always try to do. Now, as Cole mentioned, Yogi had some very interesting catchphrases that were very Yogi Bearish, like the fact that he called picnic baskets pick-a-nick baskets. Pick-a-nick baskets. And he always was self-promoting and used the phrase, I'm smarter than the average bear. Another individualistic trademark of Yogi Bear was his deep and silly voice, which I'm going to play a little bit of Yogi Bear. It'll give you a little bit of Boo Boo and a little bit of Cindy. It's a longer clip. I'm just going to do a little section of it. And he does talk about picnic baskets in it. All right, let's see how this goes. Smell nice, Yogi? Delicious, Boo Boo. Delicious. Right, Boo when something's delicious, my nose knows. And where my nose goes, Yogi goes. Hey, hello, picnic basket. Hello, Yogi. How about that? A talking picnic basket. I said, hello, Yogi. Cindy, oh, uh, what's on your mind? As if it isn't oblivious. Oh, it's spring again. So I've been hearing. It's when... Boy meets girl, something clicks, 
and they start sharing everything. Sharing everything? Hmm. I didn't hear any click. It's a time when you whisper sweet nothings in my ear. That I can do. Ooh, Yogi. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Hmm, nothing. Now, because you're such a sweet kid, here's another nothing for nothing. Oh, Yogi. <laughs> and then she breaks out into song <laughs> at that point. That's funny. But Yogi was not interested in sharing his picnic. Basket, <laughs> Clearly. Which, he did not hear the click of the uh, sound that Cindy Bear was talking about there. So Yogi was actually given his own show in 1961 entitled The Yogi Bear Show, which was sponsored by Kellogg's. His show included other segments like Yaki Doodle and Snagglepuss. Do you guys remember Snagglepuss? Mm-hmm. The show also featured episodes on Yogi Bear's effort to break away from the advent- unadventurous life of other bears in the Yellowstone Park. And this is where he gets into ransacking picnic baskets, dodging hibernation, trying to make money with his sidekick Boo Boo. Not sure why he wanted money, but that's what he's trying to do. And it often featured Ranger Smith's efforts to tame Yogi and Boo Boo Bear. It was fun, and it actually went on for many, many years. It's, it's a character I think kids even today have uh, access to via number of networks. Yogi Bear is one of Hanna-Barbera's characters to first have a collar. So the interesting thing about the collar is that it made the animator's job easy because the collar made Yogi Bear's body static. So it was basically the same picture from head down because that was the break, was the collar. And all they had to do was redraw Yogi's head in each frame whenever he spoke. And that, was, that became true for a number of characters in the Yogi Bear cartoons and then in other cartoons as well. Yeah, so, so it's like a, a tie. So um, it's like a uh, like button-up shirt collar. Collar, but it's just the collar. Collar and tie, yeah. yes. Because I think Snagglepuss had a, a collar, too. Yep. I don't know if... Did he have a tie? Boo-Boo did. He had... I think he had like a... Um, like a tie. bolo. A bolo. Yeah, because yeah, Boo-Boo had a bow tie, and Cindy has like a little... Uh, kerchief around her neck, right? So, so there's ways to, to make it easier and make the animation cheaper to do in the long run. Mm-hmm. Now, have you guys ever heard of the baseball player back in that time frame in the 50s, uh, Yogi Berra? Yep. Mm-hmm. So there was actually controversy around Yogi Bear's name because it was similar to that baseball player. And Berra, the baseball player, actually sued Hanna-Barbera for defamation. But Hanna-Barbera claimed that the similarity of the names was purely coincidental. Eventually, Yogi Berra withdrew his suit. So I thought that was interesting that they just said, oh, it's just coincidence that your name sounds so Really, familiar. it doesn't seem like. It doesn't. It seems pretty close. Yes, it's pretty close. And Yogi Berra was known for his, the way he spoke, kind of in rhyme, that kind of lilting mm-hmm. um, yes. voice as you heard and you can hear on other. There's lots of YouTube clips of him talking as well. So he's actually been featured in a number of not just TV shows, but comic books and movies as well. He was in comic books like Marvel Comics, Dell Comics, and Charlton Comics. He was in video games like Yogi's Frustration, Yogi's Great Escape, Yogi's Gold Rush, and The Adventures of Yogi Bear. And in films and special episodes like the new Scooby-Doo movies, (laughs) Galaxy Goof-Ups, and the Laugh Olympics. Now, I grew up when the Laugh Olympics came out. And they were ridiculous, right? They basically had all these groups. I think I've talked about this before. Groups of cartoon characters, all from that 
Hanna-Barbera set all together competing in these games. They called them like the Laugh Olympics, but they were so they weren't all Olympic style games because a lot of times it was like race cars and bicycles and all random things as well. And they were all teamed up together in the same teams and there was the bad guys and the rest were different variants of the good guys. But it was always lots of fun to see Yogi and Boo Boo and Cindy all represented in different ways. Which is interesting because a lot of Hanna-Barbera characters kind of slipped into obscurity, but Yogi has had some really good staying power yeah, he really as has. a character. And it could just be because of his iconic catchphrases or maybe just because it was more popular at the time, parents were inclined to show it to their kids. Or maybe just the humor of that character has just kind of stuck over time. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember as a kid knowing who Yogi yeah. Bear was, even though it didn't come out in my era of cartoons. Right. Yeah, and he did crossovers with Fred Flintstone. He did crossovers mm. where he was trying to get the prehistoric picnic baskets as well. That's so fun. Yeah, it's funny. Hanna-Barbera didn't mind crossing the streams when it came to their their worlds, their little worlds, worlds they had created, yeah. and they crossed them often. Continuity so. was clearly not yeah. Hanna-Barbera's priority. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah. No. It was getting those characters But you out. got a lot of fun things because of that. Exactly. And so I always think of Yogi Bear when I think of picnics because of growing up and seeing his his uh, affinity for picnic baskets and his great <laughs> desire to get them. And sometimes he actually got to eat the food. A lot of times he didn't. Ranger Smith got there just in time, but sometimes he got it. So next week, I'll actually talk a little bit about picnics themselves. <laughs> not just Yogi and Bear. Why, no, not just why, but why Yogi Bear loved them so oh, much. Oh, okay. I just assumed he was a bear and he was hungry. <laughs> That's right. But we'll, we'll dive into the, the deep story, I guess. That's right. Next That's right. week. Next week. And you can still watch Yogi Bear on the Cartoon Network or on its sister channel, Boomerang, just so you know, if you're interested. And, of course, on YouTube as well. So that ends our podcast for this week. Our future festivities are for the week of August 16th. August 16th is National Roller Coaster Day. August 17th, National Nonprofit Day. August 18th, National Fajita Day. August 19th, World Photo Day. August 20th, World Mosquito Day. It's a bad day. August 21st, Senior Citizens Day. And August 22nd, National Bao Day. B-A-O. Bao. You can always find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. We are on Instagram at Holiday Moons, all one word. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can email us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Beth, Cole, and Randy, happy summer picnic!
Smarter than